Well, good morning, everyone. Um, I thought what we would do this morning is just pause and pray for our municipal uh, leadership. I hope you had a chance to get to the polls, either early advanced polls this past uh, week, um, I guess 10 days ago or so, or over uh, Monday at some point. But we have uh, a re-elected mayor in Oshawa and then mayors all over uh, the Durham region and city councils and trustees and all of that. And uh, it's very clear in scripture that we should be praying for those who are in authority over us. So I thought we'd just carve out a moment in our, in our worship gathering to pray for those who've been elected. And um, would you join me in doing that? That God would bless them with wisdom and that there would be a joy for them to serve us. And we'll, we, we will be as supportive as possible. And when we want to have a voice, we'll use it respectfully. Uh, we're praying for a revival of civility in our society. And may it start in the household of faith. How does that sound? Mm -hmm. All right. Lord Jesus, thank you today for uh, those you've placed in authority over us. We thank you for uh, either newly elected mayors in our region or re-elected mayors. We thank you for the city councils that have been formed. We thank you for board trustees and all sorts of um, representations um, in this area of our province. We thank you, God, for the uh, blessing it is to live in Durham. And we pray for those that have been elected and their families. We pray for wisdom and grace. We pray for understanding and conviction. We pray for good, sound leadership. We pray for fiscal responsibility and also generosity. We pray, Lord, for an upright moral conviction among those who lead us. We pray for integrity in our leaders. We pray that they would be people full of character, that they would lead in a way that would just make it an absolute pleasure for us to follow. We pray, Lord, for whatever mid-course corrections are required in our region, that it would happen. We pray, Lord, for a spiritual awakening in our cities. We pray for a spiritual awakening in our school boards. We pray, God, that the, the, the moral underpinnings of a healthy society would be preserved and established again. And so, Lord, we thank you again for all those who are willing to serve. And we pray especially for those who are elected. May they find much joy in their service, and may the people of Durham come alongside them and support their leadership, and may you help us to find healthy voices with you first and foremost as we pray for them, and a healthy voice when we appeal to them to make changes. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right. Well, um, it was good, as Pastor Gary mentioned, to meet so many new people on Sunday. Uh, Sunday morning, just a couple of hours ago, having breakfast with us. Uh, we also have a newcomers, uh, actually it's a membership class on Sunday, November the 20th. And so if you would be even interested in learning more about King Street Community Church, moving to the center of church life, I would love to meet with you on Sunday, November 20th at 9 a.m. You can head over to kingstreet.org and you can register for that class. And you might not be ready yet to kind of move to the center of church life, become part of our core, but just to even learn more about our mission, vision, and values would be great. Pastor Al and I. Good morning. Yes. Good morning, everyone. We are going to do a co-teach today. And so you're going to hear multiple voices. Well, two anyway. Yes, right? that's right. And uh, <laughs> if you hear more than two... Yes. Um, yeah. It may be a little worry, worrisome for you. Yeah. Um, but the Lord will be speaking. Yes, that's true. Yeah, we can't negate right. that. Yeah. That's for sure. Yeah, that's good. So it's all good. Yeah. Uh, so we're going to continue this series called On Mission. And we started a few weeks ago with this 
idea of recovering our vision. Coming out of the pandemic, we want to be as clear as possible about what we feel God has put in our hearts as we move forward. And um, we, we're not the kind of leadership team here at King Street, both our board and our pastors, where we have like crystal clarity and there it is and it must be this. We're, we're, we're of the kind that try to discern what God is up to and we do our absolute best to follow him but we're open to the way he nudges this way and that way. And so this is the best we have at this point with these four missional initiatives that we feel God's put in our hearts to pursue over the next number of years. And so last week we talked about spiritual communities and how it's really important that we belong to a circle uh, with our common faith in Jesus at the very center. And that can take all sorts of different expressions, whether it be service or spiritual growth or support groups and um, uh, special interest and seeker groups, all of that. Um, we just want to encourage people because church, so much about church is about relationship, relationship with God and relationship with others. And so we want to do our part as a pastoral team to be able to facilitate that kind of relational connection. And, uh, and now today we're going to talk about, um, you know, broadening or expanding or multiplying our reach. And we have uh, some principles that are just buried in scripture for us and, and some practices that will be um, somewhat unique to us here in the Durham region that we'll talk about before we're done this morning. So... Um, Al, thanks for joining me today. Yeah, this is going to be my fun. Pleasure. Yeah, yeah it's good. and we've already given each other permission to go off script, which is Absolutely. very dangerous, isn't it? Very dangerous. <laughs> can be. It can be. Yeah, it can be. Um, so, as we talk about being on mission, I think every healthy church um, seeks to echo the mission of Jesus, which means that we hear it again. And uh, if we're hearing the mission of Jesus again, then we're up to the right things, and uh, we're not carving out something new. We're actually pursuing something ancient. And we're looking for the Spirit's timely application for now. And, uh, and so the mission of Jesus was to do the Father's will. This is why he came, to do the Father's will. And that's why he is in the garden, in the wine press, so to speak, being squeezed as he's headed towards the cross. And he asked the Father if there was another way. But he says, not my will, but your will be done, because he came to pursue the Father's good pleasure. And his mission was to seek and to save that which was lost. And when Jesus spoke about lost people, he didn't do it in a condescending way where it was referring to those people over there. All of the human family has a propensity to lose their way. In fact, scripture would say we've all lost our way. And thanks be to God that his spirit and we've said yes to his spirit, has led us home to the Father's heart, where we too seek to please the Father and do his will. And when Jesus was trying to drive this home to his, his friends and even to the religious people of his day, he told them three stories. If you're familiar with this uh, chapter in the book of Luke, Luke's, Luke's gospel, chapter 15, he tells a story about a woman who lost a coin and she was searching frantically in the house to find it about a shepherd whose one sheep had wandered away and he left the 99 to go find the lost wandering sheep. And then the story that we come to know as the prodigal son or the lost son, um, Jesus tells a story about a father who's longing for his son to come home again. But we miss the forest for the trees if we don't understand or um, keep this first two verses of Luke 15 in context. He tells the three stories following this statement. He says, now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. They liked to hear Jesus. 
But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you can underline this, they muttered. They muttered. You can see the contempt and the disdain. You can hear it in their voice. They muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. And then he says, I've got a few stories I want to tell you. And he tells a story of the lost coin, the lost sheep or the wandering sheep, and the lost son. Lost people, if we're going to be clear about the mission of Jesus, if we're going to echo it in our culture, lost people matter to God. And because they matter to God, they should matter to us. Can I say that one more time? Lost people matter to God. Because they matter to him, they should matter to us. Which means that every healthy church that, it was, that is echoing the mission of Jesus needs to be somewhat outward facing. Which means that we're always considering what lost people need and when they gather with us, how we relate with them. So you may be here today invited by a friend, family member at the edges of faith, at best perhaps. We hope that when you come today, you will experience just, just a microcosm of the love of God. And with some measure of clarity, the good news about the gospel of Jesus, that Jesus is a king with a kingdom and everybody is invited to be a part of it. If we leave lost people behind, can I say this as clearly as I can and as kindly as possible? If we leave lost people behind, we are no longer on the mission of Jesus. That's pretty sobering to say. But when churches are chasing their tail, preoccupied with themselves, they have left the mission of Jesus and have forsaken the heart of God. And then the spirit tries to break into that community and say, I need to wake you up because you've lost the plot. Now, I'm thankful today that we haven't lost the plot, but every church faces the very real possibility that we could lose the plot. So we're going to talk today about multiplying our reach. I said this last week. This is not a time in the church's history for us to be playing defense. This is a time in our church's history when we need to be open-minded about all that God perhaps wants to do in the world. And maybe it will look very different than it has in the past. Maybe we'll try some new things because faith-filled people take faith-filled risks all right. Amen, Susanna. Susanna's a good woman. I, she's always cheering for us, isn't Absolutely. she, Pastor? Absolutely. Okay, so if you're able, would you stand with me? We're going to read our passage to ponder today. It's taken from uh, Matthew's Gospel, chapter 16. I love this passage, and this is one of the reasons why I try to spread out a big tent over the kingdom of God, because the kingdom of God is a big tent, and we don't want to be narrow in our thinking. If you make the good confession that Jesus is Lord, you are my brother or sister. It doesn't matter what tent you gather under on a weekly basis, you are family if you make the good confession. And here's why. So let's read this together. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the son of man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you? He asked, who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, 
and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Amen. The word of the Lord. You may be seated. All right, so every God-pleasing church will echo the mission of Jesus, and that's our heart, Pastor Al. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And I really like that. I mean, when Jesus introduces the, his mission, he passes it on to the, to the church, the first church, mm-hmm. and then every church continues that, right? And mm-hmm. Jesus really works hard at introducing when he talks to the audience or the crowds of introducing them to the kingdom of God, and that's why he told those stories. And, and he, I like it how he always uses these visuals that they can relate to. And I think that really goes to our first principle we're going to talk about this morning as we think about multiplying our reach, is that planting and watering matters in the kingdom of God, and it's God hmm. who makes things grow. Planting and watering matters in the kingdom of God. I want you to hear that today, and it's God who makes things grow. Now, let me explain this. Every sort of horticulturalist, gardeners, farmers know if you want something to grow, you have to do something. Unless it's weeds that you want to grow, you don't have to do anything. But you have to work at it. And a seed has to be planted. It has to be watered and put in the ground. And in the kingdom of God, the seed that we're going to talk about is the gospel or the good news about Jesus. And it has to be planted and watered and cared for. Uh, later on, and as we'll talk about our principle number two, we're going to look a little bit more about the actual seed and, and this planting idea. But I want to focus on this idea of watering it and caring for it first. And, and we have to sort of go back to creation. And in Genesis chapter 2, verse 15, uh, God places Adam in the garden, and he sort of gives him this task to do, do two things, he, to tend for it and to water it or to care for it, Right? And watch over it. And he does those things to, for specifically for a task for him to do. So he's to, he's to garden, he's to till the land, he's to get everything cared for, and then he's supposed to watch over it and to make sure that it's cared for well, has everything that it needs, but not once does he ask Adam and Eve to make the garden grow, right? Because he realizes, he knows, he wants them to understand they have a job to do, but it's not their job to make it grow, and that's really important for us to keep in mind. And I was, I was thinking about this, I was thinking about this um, um, ever-bearing tomato plant that we bought a couple of months ago at our house. And we have it up on the, by the windowsill, and, and, and I remember watching it, and I'm thinking, man, this thing is not producing, right? The, the tomatoes were coming, and it's the little ones, but they were green for like weeks, and I'm thinking, what is wrong with this plant, right? Or it was producing these uh, microscopic tomatoes, I call them, right? Because they were so small and would take forever. Well, it had a little instruction sheet with it. And I thought, well, maybe I should read the instruction sheet. And yeah, I know where this is going, right? Because who reads the instructions, right? But you're a man. I know. Well, that's part of it. I read it, and it says, be sure to water enough, right? And I check the soil, and it's dry as a bone. And I'm thinking, okay, maybe this will help. I water it, and sure enough... It actually starts to grow when they actually start to turn red, right? Who would have thought? Who would have thought? I know. <laughs> surprise, surprise. My point in telling that story is I should have did the work. But I, I could have did a, done all that stuff, and it wasn't going to grow because that's not my job mm-hmm. to make it grow, right? And this is really helps us to understand this whole idea that the practice of doing in the matters of spiritual or the, the unseen kingdom of God is really important. And there's two important aspects to this idea of the practice of doing. And one is this. God won't do what he asks us to do. 
A passage that uh, we read earlier today uh, from 1 Corinthians 3, 6 to 9. Paul's writing there to the, to the Christians in Corinth. And he tells them, I planted the seed, Apollos you know, watered it, but it's God who makes it grow, right? He said, we do our part. He basically says, the one who plants and the one who waters work together with the same purpose, and both will be rewarded for their hard work. But their job, he wanted them to know, was that God was the one that makes it grow. Now, thankfully, when it comes to doing, it's not the doing that earns our salvation, our relationship with God, right? We, all we do is respond to the offer. And Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, 8 through 10 sort of helps us to understand this, right? By, by grace are we saved through faith. It's not from ourselves. It's a gift from God, not by works, so nobody can boast about it, right? But then verse 10 says this, for we are God's masterpiece he has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things that he planned for us long ago. And so really, I think when it comes, when we think about multiplying our reach, I think our job is really the task of discovering what God wants us to do in the kingdom. Well, you might ask today, you know, how do I sort of discover that? And I think part of that is, is listening. Right? We don't do enough listening, right? We, we, we busy ourselves. We don't like quietness. One of the keys to really figuring this out is listening for God's voice. Uh, we're doing this study with the men going through the book of John, and, and this week we're going to uh, where Jesus talks about the, the good shepherd, right, and that his sheep know his voice. And that visual was really key for, for his audience at the time. But it also is really good for us to re remind us it's so important that we learn to listen and know God's voice, Right? Isn't, there's people in our lives that when they walk into the room and they laugh or they, they say something, right, we go, oh, hey, that so-and-so is here, right, because we, we recognize their voice. And I think it's the same for us in learning to recognize God's, God's voice. I think the other part to that is learning about who God is, right, and what we're doing this morning is helping us with that in each Sunday and midweek as well. Part of this is also discovering who we are, right? Because sometimes we, you know, based on our past or what people have said, we, we come to identify ourselves a certain way because of all those things, and we forget or we put sort of second place is what God says about who we are and his purpose that he has for our lives. So we, we're going to discover the task. We've got we to gotta work at that, right? And the other part then, I think, is that we respond to that. Remember, it's the practice of doing it's not enough for us just to hear or even to be challenged or to be moved in some way and go, oh, yeah, I, I need to do that differently or I need to live differently or I need to reach out, you know, to my neighbor or that person that I work with. Right? It's, it's about putting it into action, right? And that's what planting, watering, you know, caring for the good news is always about sort of this thing of being ready to act and to do. And then when the opportunity, opportunity comes to talk about it, right? Yeah. That's the first principle. Tell us about the uh, it's so second good principle. That, there. that God won't do what he asks us to do. Right. right. He gives us a circle, and he says, there's your circle of freedom and responsibility. And, and so he won't do for us what he asks us to do. We have a significant part to play, right? In creation, Genesis 1 and 2, it's, he's looking for partners. Yeah. He, he gives them a mandate. Look after, like you mentioned, right? Look after his good creation, the garden. And then be fruitful and multiply. This is, this is, you know, what we do with God. And, um, and so God won't do what he asks us to do. And we can't do what only God can do. Yeah. Absolutely. 
We can't do what only God can do. That's, that is a biggie. And knowing where we begin and end requires uh, some measure of discernment. And um, I remember somebody said a bunch of years ago, pray like it all depends on God and work like it all depends on you. And somewhere, this beautiful kingdom of God will emerge and flourish, both in your life and through your life. And so I think there's some wisdom in that, for Absolutely. sure. So when Jesus was trying to get home this idea of the kingdom of God, which is the kingdom of God is the rule and reign of Christ. So when the kingdom of God is advancing in our lives, what's happening? Well, we're giving him more and more space to occupy and to lead and to govern, so to speak. And he's not a harsh taskmaster. He's the one who brings us into freedom and liberty. And, and so the kingdom of God, when it is advancing, we're giving him more leadership in our own lives. But when we, he was trying to drive this home in an agrarian culture in the first century, he said this. He said, this is what the kingdom of God is like, Mark chapter 4. A man or a person scatters seed on the ground. Night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. And then this, all by itself. What you're talking about. All by itself. The soil produces grain. First the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. God is the one that brings, we could say, the increase. He's the one who brings the harvest. He's looking for harvesters, but he's the one that's causing the harvest to grow. The crop grows all by itself. The farmer, and maybe this is important for us to understand, the farmer is responsible somewhat for the environment, right? To till the soil and to do his or her part. But ultimately, the seed has potency within it, and God makes it grow all by itself. And we get to be a part of it. We're going somewhere with this teaching, and we're going to get real practical in a few minutes. But yeah, God will not do what he asks us to do, and we cannot do what God alone can do. Mm -hmm. yeah. That's good. Principle number two, Dave, what do you think? Oh, is this me now? It is. It is me, because I thought it was you, and here I am. <laughs> Okay. Tell us about that 25% I'm rarely, success. I am rarely ever lost for words, Pastor Al, <laughs> as you know that. So thank you for the prompting. No Sometimes problem. it's the prompting of the Spirit. Other times it's a prompting of Pastor Al. <laughs> Principle number two. Absolutely. The 25% seed success ratio mm -hmm. requires that we scatter more seed. Uh, this is really, really important. So... Jesus tells a story, a parable, in Luke's Gospel, chapter 8, and uh, there is a 25% success ratio. Let me read it for us. While a large crowd was gathering and people were coming to Jesus from town after town, he told this parable. A farmer went out to sow his seed, and as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. It was trampled on, and the birds ate it up. Some fell on rocky ground, and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up with it and choked out the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than was sown. When he said this, he called out, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. And then in verse 11, he says, this is the meaning of the storytelling or the parable. The seed is the word of God. Those along the path are the ones who hear and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. 
Those on the rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. The seed that fell among the thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. But the seed on the good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. Remember this. There is nothing wrong with the potency of the seed. It's the soil where the seed falls. Soil conditions really, really matter. Not everyone is well positioned to hear the gospel, to receive it, and to bear fruit. That's something that we have a hard time getting our heads and hearts around, but there are seasons in history. This could be described as one of the tougher seasons in history, and I can tell you all sorts of sociological reasons why, but the one simple one is the rise of secularism has created a soil challenge for many people. But there's nothing wrong with the seed. The gospel still works. The gospel can still change lives. The gospel can still save marriages, restore families, heal broken hearts. I am meeting with people, I've told you this many times, and I'm having the time of my life doing it, meeting with people in our community and counseling environments. The gospel is so necessary can I go on record to say this today? The gospel is not an add-on, nor is it optional. The gospel is what we were made to say yes to. And when we say yes to it, it changes everything. It's not a social idea. It's not some sort of program from the ancient world. There is some dynamism about the gospel that can literally light up your life. People who've struggled with addiction say yes to the gospel over time, and sometimes very quickly, addictions drop away. People who have lost their way all of a sudden see the world three-dimensionally. Everything has changed because of their worldview that has now been adopted, because Christ has come and made them spiritually alive. We're talking about life and death here, by the way. Um, I think sometimes when churches have not been at their best, They've been led by people like us. We have looked at the world around us, and we've said, how come they don't, or why do they, when we need to step back and say, how can we expect them to? They're spiritually lost, and in the words of Jesus, they're not spiritually alive. They're in the kingdom of darkness. They're walking in the dark, and we say, how come they can't find their way? They don't have the light. So instead of looking at them saying, how come they don't or why do they, we should see them through the lens of compassion. If you would have had every experience they had and were without the gospel, you would be very much like them. And so our job is to announce that Jesus is king, that there's a kingdom that they can be a part of and it can change their life forever. So can we take a look at these four soils? Um, here's the first one. We need to understand the soil conditions. The first one is this, the role of spiritual dynamics. So the seed goes out, falls on a path, right? Birds come, take the seed away. It doesn't penetrate the soil. And then Jesus says, here's what's going on. We have spiritual dynamics at play where the devil, in Jesus' words, comes and takes the seed away. It doesn't penetrate their heart. It doesn't bear fruit in their lives. Whatever we sign up to do together with Jesus to help announce that he's king in our community and world, we need to understand that there are spiritual dynamics at play which requires prayer. 
prayer. My mom has been praying for her two brothers for decades, decades. And we're seeing the kingdom of God start to advance in their lives. Wonderful stuff. I'm here today because my parents prayed for me. I'm firmly convinced of that. Mom and dad, if your kids have lost their way, you can pray. If we became a praying community, I wonder what could happen through us. Because there's all this spiritual clutter that creeps in and it messes up things. And the moment you and I rediscover an ongoing conversation with God, our own souls open up and then we actually become useful and things open up around the ones we love. So don't discount the power of prayer. It's actually the power of God that we tap into through prayer. So the first uh, soil condition is um, one that is littered with spiritual dynamics. Um, and, and there is a real devil who comes to blind the minds of unbelievers, Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, so they can't see the gospel. The unseen world impacts the seen world, and that's very obvious in Paul's letter and in Jesus' teaching. So that's the first soil condition. The second one is false expectations. They're shallow root systems. They receive the word with joy, but they have no root. When the time of testing comes, Jesus says, they just kind of lose their way. They walk away. Um, Dallas Willard says this, and he's so right. How we present the gospel is of critical importance. If we overpromise, then people will experience the undeliverable and be disappointed and perhaps walk away from the faith. Jesus did not come to take all of your troubles away. In fact, when you say yes to Jesus, you might get some more. I, we met with a couple on, um, on Friday night, uh, fantastic people over coffee, and they were just talking about how, how come the moment you say yes to Jesus, you start belonging to a church community, people look at you like you're crazy, right? Why is that? I don't understand why anybody would be pretty upset about people like us when all we say is, Jesus says, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. No, that's spiritually charged is what it is. The kingdom of this world is bumping up against the kingdom of God, and what happens? You've got conflict. It's called spiritual conflict, and it's very real. So we say, whatever trouble you experience, Jesus is far greater than the trouble you'll experience. If back in the ancient worlds you got thrown to the lions, that's nasty. Nobody wants to get thrown to the lions, but Daniel found out the lion's mouth was shut. But if the lion's mouth wasn't shut, and that's a painful way to go, I don't want to be eaten by lions. But the hope is on the other side that you are with God. Yeah. This is a first phase of our lives that never ends. And so the hope of the gospel is very, very real. And so we want to be careful about how we present the gospel to people. Right? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And I think, you, you know, part of that thing is when you, anytime you sort of make a step in the right direction towards God, you, you, you know there's going to be opposition that's going to come, right? 100%. And the struggle, that's all part of it. That's yeah. good. The other, the other soil that, um, that's there that Jesus talks about here, we'd call sort of the short-sighted view of, of the gospel or of Christianity. And it's, it's the soil where the seed falls, where there's thorns. Now, uh, when Jesus is telling this story, I think the visual he's sort of presenting here is that seed goes on to, to soil where there's already a weed seed that's there, right? And thorns... Because he talks about how it, it sort of, as it grows up together, it's the thorns that choke out the good seed, and it, much like my front lawn this past year. Uh, you know, this, the weeds choke out the good seed, right? And that's what Jesus is presenting here. 
And his point to it is, is that like in life, he's saying when the seed, the gospel goes into people's lives, it begins to grow. But he talks about how the cares of life and, and riches and pleasure sort of choke out that good seed, right? And, and I think, you know, it, it's uh, not rocket science to think about, you know, where we've come from with, with uh, COVID and the amount of things in life, you know, that have choked out the good seed in our lives, you know, both for people who are, you know, new believers or recently coming to faith, but even for ourselves, right? There's so many cares and stuff. And, and even today, we have so many cares and financial concerns and, and even the, you know, the... Uh, the life process of how, you know, when we have pain in our lives, how many times do we pursue pleasure to try to co compensate for that, right? And, and make that. And Jesus, that's what Jesus is talking about here is those things choking out uh, that good seed. And I think it really sort of speaks to that whole idea of where we become so focused on the temporary that we forget about the eternal and what lasts, right? We're so focused on today and what's important to us today that we, we don't see beyond that, right? And I don't know how many times for me, and I think for all of us, that happens, right? We have a situation where things are going on in our lives, and, and that you know, good seed, that gospel that's in us, the good news, gets choked out. And for people who, um, I think what Jesus is referring to, people who are new to faith, coming from the edges of faith, right, and coming into uh, following Christ, you know, a lot of times that we see that happen in their lives. They start out well, but life just sort of sucks that out of them and they walk away, right? And in and my heart, I'm sure your heart and lots of us, when we watch that, it's painful to watch, isn't it? To see people walk away because of life choking that out. I think we also have to be careful because as followers of Christ, it's easy for us when the temporary pushes out the eternal that we just focus on today and what's happening for our lives, but also we sort of start to think, well, you know, I'm, you know, I'm not going to pray for that person. Not, I don't think we intentionally do it. We sort of go, I've been praying for them for a long time, and we just sort of get discouraged and think, well, nothing's happening. Is it going to happen, right? Or we sort of go, ah, I, don't, I just don't have time. I'm so busy to go and, you know, be interrupted to talk to somebody about, you know, the good news about Jesus and to share our faith with them or to, to influence them in some way, right? As I was thinking about this the, uh, just this past week, you know, I, you're so, I'm so busy doing stuff. Lots of times I, you know, forget about my neighbors and doing stuff for them. And, and my mother-in-law came walking up uh, the steps from the, from the back and she's got a whole tray of muffins, right? Nice. And, I, she's, and she's, oh, I'm just taking these over to the neighbors. And I'm like, man, like I could really step it up a bit right? To, well, maybe not making muffins, but I could do something else for the neighbors and be intentional, but life just sort of sucks that out, right? Because I just, I don't make time for it, to really care for people and be interrupted sometimes for them, right? The other soil Jesus talks about is the good soil. And this is where the seed goes, and it takes root and begins to grow, and it, and it says that those people cling to or retain it, right? God's word, and it produces this harvest. And I think about it, and you sort of mentioned it before, people have these aha moments, right? We can't always, I don't think, pinpoint the exact sort of moment when we began relationship with God. There's a lot of different factors, I think, sometimes, right? It's not just one thing, but 
I think all of us have to have sort of those aha moments where it's like the kingdom of God just sort of uh, hits us, right? And it's like you said, our eyes open to, to everything and we realize God has a purpose and he has a plan. And, and I want to hone in on that and really begin to do what he wants me to do, right? Not just exist, not just, you know, go to work or go to school or to, uh, to do all the parts of, of family and all those things are important, but really go, God, what is it that you have for me to do, right? And have those moments where it takes root. And I really believe that, you know, just as the church continues, that God's not finished, you know, sort of have given people those aha moments. As I was thinking about this, I think, you know, there's people in Durham today region that God is going to, he's going to give them those aha moments, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And we sort of get to be a part of this in some way. And it's, our part is so small mm-hmm. as he makes it grow. Mm-hmm. But God's got those people ready in some way, whether they're going to go online, and we'll talk a little bit about that or another, uh, other things. But God wants to do that work in their lives. And you're, you're talking about like a movement of the spirit here. Yeah. This is not a program of the church. It's not something you and I can pull levers. This is something that God does. And so we go into our, again, the church is a gathering community, a scattering community, and then we're on the lookout for what God's doing, and we go join him there. And we join him in ways that are not programmatic. They're just people-centered, one conversation at a time, one relationship at a time. And then we just watch what God's up to. Yeah. And it's a really cool thing to join God with what he's doing. And it can be in small little ways or in big obvious ways too. So we need to trust and follow the spirit, if I'm hearing what you're talking about. And then also, we've, we've reiterated this now a few times, the power and potency of the seed. So let me read something from Isaiah chapter 40. All people are like grass, and all their faithfulness is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall because the breath of the Lord blows on them. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of our God endures forever. There is potency to the word of God. Across every generation and every time in history, the word of God stands forever. All right, so we're talking about missional initiative number two. This is how we'll land this teaching this morning. Um, So two big principles that we've chatted about, at least one of them we have, but I I really believe this, that what's happening here at King Street is not perfect because it's humans and it's the divine and God working with flawed human beings. So we're, we're becoming our best selves and it's a process and hopefully it's progressive for all of us. Um, But I really believe this to my toes, that what's happening here is worth exporting. Uh, This is a really healthy church community. Uh, We're not the only one. There's a lot of really healthy churches. And we never, if you know my heart on this and our pastoral team, we never put ourselves over and above any other congregation. But at the same time, got to call it the way it is. This is a healthy church family. You are good people. You love the Lord. You are quick to serve. You have hearts of compassion. I believe that largely we are about the right things. Can we make some corrections and adjustments? Of course. But what's happening here is worth exporting. The more people that get added to this kind of community, the better our region will be. I really do believe that. 
There was a time in history, and, and some churches are, are in that time right now, when it would be like inviting our neighbors and friends right now, we're not well enough for that. We got, there's conflict, there's splintering, there's issues. It's like adding people to this setting right now might not be helpful. I don't believe that about this community, and I don't believe that about this church community now. So I think we can export, and I believe it would be a good thing if we did. Secondly, remember we talked about this analogy, and this helps, I think, strike the balance between what is our part and what's God's part. If we use the analogy of a, of a sailing vessel in harbor, our job, and it's a lot of work, to hoist the sails, right? Get the sails up, hoist them up, and then put your hand over the rudder, pull out the navigation tools, whatever you need, kind of figure out where you think you ought to go, then invite God, whose hand is much stronger, and who, his perspective, because he can see what's out in front of us, he puts his hand over ours on the rudder, and he directs us. And sometimes we'll feel the strength of his hand pushing this way, and then pushing that way. And we wait for the wind of the Spirit to blow on the sails, and let him move us where he wants to move us. We're active participants but we're ultimately not just a group of people trying to do good things in the world. We want to follow Jesus. He's the head of the church. If he wants to move us this way or that way, so be it, Lord. Right? Mm -hmm. He is the head that moves the body. We're not in charge. He's in charge, and we follow his prompting as he sends messages to our members on what to do and how to go and what that looks like. I think that's a beautiful picture of the church and how we ought to operate these days. Pastor Al. Yeah. No, I love that visual because it's almost like you can, you know, like a kid holding on to a, like a, a steering wheel like of a go-kart or whatever, and the other parent, the parent comes over, their big hands over top to guide as you learn, right? And that, that visual is so good. I love that. And I think the other part to this missional initiative is that we need to go where the people are. And if we ask the question where are people, you know, that basically people are online and they're, they're in growing communities, right? I think we've seen it, especially, um, you know, post-COVID, people have been um, with some freedom in the workplace of really gravitating to communities that are growing and, and even taking up roots from other areas and going there. And, and we're seeing that certainly in, in Oshawa and Durham region. It's such a great opportunity, right? Can I interrupt for one second? Yeah, for sure. I saw in a stat this past week that Oshawa was, don't quote me, I think about top eight in Canada of people migrating during COVID. I, I thought I saw 6,800 people moved here during COVID. It's a lot of people. Yeah. It's a small town moved here. And that was just in the last couple of years. Yeah, yeah. No, it's huge. It's great. And I think the thing about that is it sort of reminds us that those people are searching, right? They're going online, they're Googling, looking. And I don't know, I talked to a few people even at our newcomer's breakfast today and said, how did you end up coming? And, you know, uh, a few of them said they went online and they just Googled, you know, uh, one person said, I wanted to get baptized. So they Googled yes, getting that. baptized and, yeah. and our church came up online, right? Yeah. And so they said, okay, I'm going to go there and, yeah. and get baptized, right? We're the only church that baptizes. But well, not the only ones, but <laughs> we were in the top of the search engine yeah, list, right? Yeah. So it's great because... People are there, right? So we have this opportunity to really connect. And I think it lines up so well because uh, the, the story where Jesus, you know, in John, where he, he goes to Samaria to see the Samaritan woman, I like it because when the writer writes, John writes it, he says he, Jesus had to go mm. to Samaria or through Samaria to go to Galilee. And actually, geographically, he didn't have to. And lots of the Jews, mm. you know, went around Samaria because they didn't like Samaritans. Yeah. 
But I think John writes it there to remind uh, the reader that Jesus had to go on this, right? He went to where people were, and he went to the Samaritan woman. He goes to Zacchaeus' house, right? The short little tax collector that nobody liked, you know, that was called the notorious sinner. He goes to his house mm. to connect with him, right? And I think we have that same great opportunity, right? I agree. I think the other part is, is that we need to be a part of really meeting real needs, not just sort of imagined ones, right? And uh, I was looking back in 2020, Durham Region did a profile of the region. And uh, I think one of the things that came out of it is from uh, 2015 to 2020, five of seven new people to Durham were immigrants, hmm. right? And talk about an opportunity there to really connect with people who are searching, looking for community, and the opportunity, and we can sort of capitalize on that and really connect and help mm. build relationships, right? Mm. The other one was, I think, uh, 2016, they said sort of 50% of households were three or more people, right? So it's this idea of families. And I know family is big for us around here at King, Pretty right? Yep. So those sort of things, we have this great opportunity, as well as, you know, just loneliness and isolation and mental health issues. People are looking for, That's for community, right? And uh, I was at GLS uh, a couple of weeks ago, and one of the speakers, John Akafi, he, he made this quote, and I really like it. He said, it's much better to meet a need than to invent it. Hmm. Just asking people what they need makes people feel visible hmm. and valuable, right? And so it's a great sort of opportunity for us to capitalize on that and to really see, you know, moving ahead here. Right? That's huge. Yeah. yeah. Meeting real needs, not imagined ones. That's so big. Um, one thing that we're going to venture into over the next two or three months is a live stream. And um, let me explain for just a second. I don't want you to sort of hear me that I seem like I'm speaking out of both sides of my mouth because what happens in this room is of great importance. We are big raving fans of in-person worship gathering. Um, stuff happens in here that cannot happen online. And yet there are things that happen online that you can't do here. I think it's tilted dramatically to in-person. So we have practice one and practice two that we're going to touch on now. But we've been doing these YouTube uh, pre-recorded gatherings. How many of you have watched at least one of our YouTube gatherings? They're very different than what's happening in here live stream or live in person, right? Yes. Have you noticed that? Uh, <laughs> I talked to somebody once. She's because uh, she hadn't watched the YouTube one, but she came in in person, and I, I, I was preaching, teaching, and I think she liked what I had said. So yeah. she said, I want to go back and watch that. Is it on the YouTube channel? I said, yeah, it is. And then she watched it, and she sent me a note back and said, half of what you said was not on the YouTube channel. <laughs> and it, it's like, this is, this is very different. And um, so we want to beam this to faraway places. Uh, on the other side of the city, on the other side of the province, on the other side of the country, the other side of the world. Because the people are online. There might be some people who can never get to 611 King Street West because of physical limitations, because of being away on vacation, because of just not being well, or because they just don't live in a part of our country where they can access it. And we really think that if we could send this message, we would reach more people. But what it's not intended to be is to say, it's snowing outside and it's... Middle of January. Pastor, I'll see you in May. I'll see yes. you in May. That's not what it's supposed to be. It's tempting, but it's it not tempting. what it's supposed to yeah. be. We're not tempted to no, do that. No, absolutely no. not. Uh, 
but this is beautiful and right, and we want to add more people, add more gatherings. We want, we're building a chapel for a reason because we believe what happens here is a hub of beautiful spirit activity. But we just want to get the signal out to others. And a pre-recorded has its limitations. Live stream is, is much more helpful. Yeah, yeah, no. And I think the other practice that we want to do is this idea we've talked about a third location, right? Um, we're looking at sort of North Oshawa as a potential area because it's a growing community and people are there and the needs are there. And uh, I think one of the other important things about this, though, as I was thinking about it, that's really important. Sometimes when we think, oh, yeah, that'd be great, you know, if you you know, put another campus in North Oshawa, it'll be closer to my house, I can get there and I can sort of take in it and, and, and walk away from that. I think it's really important that we, we talk about this, that, you know, a third campus is not just to sort of make it more convenient for us. It's actually an opportunity for us, uh, more of us to serve, but also so that we can reach more people, right? Because, you know, the reality is some people will, would go to a third campus and go, oh, it's not quite the same as 611. I'm going to head down there. I think the idea is, if, if we're going to do this, is that we sort of rally together and go, okay, if I'm going to be a part of that campus, I want to serve there so that people in North Oshawa can be impacted. Mm. I, I remember um, somebody told this story. They were meeting with, with a group of, um, uh, in a church that was, a, a lot of them were, were well-seasoned and older folk, and they, they were sort of starting to get smaller and smaller all the time. Mm. And this gentleman asked them the question. He said, what would you do for a family member or a friend who is in another city, what would you pay, what would you be willing to do for that person to be introduced to Jesus? Mm -hmm. And they responded, well, pastor, you know, uh, we, we'd do anything. You know, we'd pay anything, we would give anything, we'd do whatever we could that somebody in that city would reach out to mm -hmm. that family member or friend of mine to introduce them to Jesus or to build a connection with them, right? And he said to them, you know what, there are people who are in other cities who are praying for their family or friend who, who lives here. Mm. And I believe that, I think there's people in other cities and communities who are praying for family that lives in Oshawa and Durham region. Mm. And they're asking, God, will you, will you reach the, the, that family member or friend with the, you know, the good news about Jesus? Would you send somebody into their life? And I kind of think that we sort of get to, could be the answer to that prayer mm. that those people are praying, yeah. right? Yeah. So what an opportunity for us yeah. to do that. 100%. So here's, here's where we're hoisting the sails. We're asking God to put his hand over our rudder um, and to blow on the sails and direct us accordingly. We want to be well positioned. So whatever God chooses to do, we're as healthy and ready as possible. So we're believing and trusting that by 2027, there will be 750 people who will be gathering here consistently in person, right here at 611 King Street West. And that we'll have... Um, uh, 250 people online who will be all over the country, all over the world, who will be watching and will be a part. It'll be an outreach of our church. And then that we'll have 200 people gathering in some other high growth part of our community uh, where we can enlist more and more of you who have gifts so that you can use them for the kingdom's sake. And we will multiply our effort and see what God wants to do. Does that sound like a good idea to you? Why not, right? Why not? But pastor, I like the way things are right now. I do too. I like this. Um, but I, I want to maximize fruitfulness, my fruitfulness, our fruitfulness for the kingdom's sake. Because the last time I checked, as the writer Isaiah says, 
The Lord breathes on the, on the grass. We're here today, we're gone tomorrow. And what we do for eternity's sake really matters. We're going to present something to the Lord and say, you, you entrusted me with this. I, here's what I did with it, obviously, with your help, Lord. But sitting on it and protecting it, remember the parable of Jesus? He has a tough word to say for the person who says, I didn't want to lose it. I buried it for safekeeping. We can't bury the stuff God entrusts to us. But this means all hands on deck. We need some people to help us with this live stream production. Some of you have capacities to do things in this area, and you love it. We need to enlist you. Pastor Al, Jared are going to be going public soon about that. We're going to look to multiply worship leaders and bands and children's ministry, small group leaders, on and on and on it goes, because we need more people using their gifts, developing them, getting involved in ministry so that we can do the things God asks us to do. And I said this at the very beginning, and with this I'll wrap up. We don't have crystal clarity. We don't have crystal clarity. Maybe the Lord will turn the rudder 40 degrees and we'll say, wow, we didn't see that coming. I'll be okay with that. If it's him moving the rudder, I'm super cool with it. I want to at least get the sails up, invite him to blow on the sails, and do our part until he overcorrects, right? Absolutely. Along the way. Um, lost people matter to God. Because it matter to him, they should matter to us. We took a little more time today, but this is worth it. Absolutely. It was good. Pastor Al, I enjoyed our conversation. Me too. Yeah, you're a good man. Me too. Yeah, thank Absolutely. you. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. So um, here's what we're going to do. Um, thank you for your faithful and generous giving. You do this so often. If you've come with your uh, offering, there's giving drop boxes at the back or in the lobby. Uh, you can find us online, kingstreet.org. There's multiple ways to give. We do appreciate, and we could never do what we do without you being generous and faithful to God by giving tithes and offerings. So thank you in advance for that. We're going to continue our series of On Mission next week as well. And, um, but here's what I want us to do. I'm feeling, um, and you can trust me, by the way, in this regard. I shared with our board at a board retreat up in Lakefield recently. I feel like it can't be business as usual anymore. Business as usual is going to get you the same result. We're living at a really different time in history. There's an inflection point going on. And it's not COVID and the pandemic only. There are spiritual dynamics at play. We need a fresh breath of the spirit on our lives, on our children, on our marriages, on our families, on our workplaces, on our governments, in our schools. I really believe this, that God is looking for congregations that will say, I'm in, Lord. I'm in, and I'm open to what it is that you want to do. And we're not going to make something happen, but we're going to be ready for what God wants to do. So I just really feel to share that with you. I don't know how open you are these days, but I'm inviting you to become more open. And when I said you can trust me, the weird and the wonderful, I'm not interested in it. Can I say that again? The weird and the wonderful, I'm not interested in it. I want the authentic work of the Spirit. And if you've ever been in the presence of the authentic work of the Spirit, you can't get enough. When the weird and the wonderful is going on, it's too much people. It's people doing things in God's name, and it doesn't help. 
When God's at work, lives are changed. People see Jesus more clearly and they're infected with the gospel that changes everything about their lives. I want more of that. I'm not smart enough, neither is Pastor Al or any of these pastors to pull this off. It has to be a genuine work of the spirit where he breathes on us. I feel his breath these days. And he breathes on me in ways that are consistent with who I am. He will breathe on you in ways that are consistent with, how, with who you are. And you don't need to be afraid of it. His breath is beautiful and glorious. Jesus said to his disciple friends, he breathed on them and said, receive the spirit. May you receive the spirit too. In fullness. Are you in with me? I can't imagine a church not being in with me on what I just said. No, we don't want the spirit. No, come on. Come on. I know you're with me. 100% you're with me, right? Okay. All right. So if you want to stay and pray for a bit, stay and pray for a bit. If you feel the Lord says, stay behind for a little while, I want to I meet with you, do it. If you need to go out in the lobby and talk to a friend, do it. If you need to get in your car and go home because you've got other things that God wants you to do, do it. Follow the Spirit, but follow Him, right? Don't just exist and go through your days, follow Him. What is it you want from me now, Lord? And give it to Him. And whatever He asks you to give, boy, it'll all be worth it because it'll open up new pathways for you. Lord, thank you today for your love for us and thank you for your goodness and your grace and thank you for the gospel. Thank you for the way that so many people in this room today have been infected for good by the gospel of Jesus. We pray, Lord, for a spiritual awakening among us. We pray, Lord, for a beautiful, fresh work of God that opens up new pathways for us to see and celebrate Jesus. I pray, Lord, that the, the, the rhythm of heaven would be firmly embedded in our hearts. We pray, Lord, that there would be just a beautiful um, sense of your presence every time we meet. May there be a new desire and appetite for prayer and for your word. May we take a few uh, spirit-inspired risks to follow you. And Lord, help us not to be intimidated by those who perhaps hijacked you in the past and said it was you and it wasn't. Help us to hold tightly to the authentic and to the real and to listen for you. And when you speak, say yes. And help us to be willing to obey and follow. Lord, we love you. Thank you for this church. They are fantastic people. Bless them in every way. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're able, would you stand with me? Because I want to leave you with a blessing. That's always a privilege for me to speak over your life. And then you can find a place of prayer. If you want one of your pastors to pray for you, we'll kind of, a few of us will hang out over here at the front. And if you want to find a quiet place and a place of consecration right here, my left, your right, you want to build an altar in your chair, feel free to do so. If you need to pick up your kids, please pick up your kids. And uh, we will leave you with this blessing and benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his loving countenance toward you and give you much peace and much grace in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. God bless you and have a great rest of the weekend.